The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. So let's get over to our guest this half hour, Carlos Casanova, a senior Asia economist at UBP. And Carlos, I want to start in China. We just uh, had Ed there update us on the latest case numbers out of China, 29,000 new cases reported on Sunday. But the reopening narrative now firmly cemented. Uh, how significant is this for the global economy? And, and it, it's not going to be smooth sailing, is it? Mm-hmm. Good morning. Well, it's certainly very important for the global economy, but we are still in the cautious camp in thinking that um, there will be starts and stops and it won't be smooth sailing going forwards. Um, to the number of cases over the weekend uh, on Sunday was 29,000. That is encouraging as it is a decline from 40,000 on Friday. So we are seeing um, that despite these uh, partial reopening measures in cities like Shanghai and, and uh, Hangzhou, um, the cases haven't spiraled out of control. They, they might still increase, but they haven't spiraled out of control. Um, and that is uh, absolutely going to fuel um, the, the positive narrative around equities uh, this week. Um, we are a little bit concerned, however, about vaccination rates. Um, so the vaccination rate for the elderly remains very low at 66%, with only 40% of those aged 60 and above having received the booster shot. Now, we estimate that in order for vaccination levels to reach more, um, to, to, to reach around 80%, which is a more safe um, you know, level for reopening, um, that will still take between three to six months, given that um, we, we are at a low starting point and there is a three-month um, period of wait that you have to wait between jabs in China. Um, so that um, suggests to us that uh, we are not going to see full reopening. We are going to see a partial reopening adhering to these 20 measures aimed at reducing the impact of COVID-0 on the economy that were announced in mid-November. But this full reopening will not happen until that level is hit. Um, and that will ha- we have to wait until around April for that to take place. I'm going to pose you a difficult challenge now. Can you pick a growth number for me for China in 2023? <laughs> That's a very interesting question, given that there is a conversation now around whether or not China should set a growth target for next year. Um, so as uh, we all know, Xi Jinping would would gladly get rid of that GDP growth target. He um, has a growth floor, of course, if he wants to hit his common prosperity goal of becoming high, um, high income country by 2035. That, in our opinion, is around 4%. But he doesn't want to have an overarching GDP target that will limit his policy choices. Um, however, given that um, we do expect the reopening to happen next year, uh, and that COVID zero cost between 3 to 5 percentage points of GDP this year, um, setting a target next year could be fairly easy in the sense that they would have to mess up tremendously in order to miss that growth target. So it is possible that uh, we will see that um, take place. Most likely, we we will not know until March, but uh, we are entering the December plenum, and one day after the plenum is a Central Economic Work Conference, and all of these uh, topics will be discussed during those meetings. So over the next few weeks, we will have a good idea of whether or not China will plan to aim the target or not. If they do, it's, it's a positive sign for sure. 
Uh, just very quickly, Carlos, uh, 20 seconds. We've got the yuan strengthening, 699 now against the greenback. What's your short-term outlook here? We um, we do expect that uh, this U.S. dollar strength narrative is starting to peak. So the U.S. dollar rally is starting to peak. We've seen strength across the region. So all Asian effects uh, appreciated against the dollar in November. Um, so that is uh, something that will continue in the months to come. But uh, again, like everything, there'll be ups and downs. Um, and so we can't exclude some depreciatory pressures heading into next year as well. Carlos, a couple of uh, big central bank decisions in Asia this week. I want to start uh, here in Australia, as I, if I can. Uh, expecting another 25 basis point hike this month. Then the country goes to the beach in January. There'll be no decision. And then Bloomberg Economics is forecasting a smaller one in February, and that's it. Uh, that would park the cash rate at three and a quarter percent. Do you have a sense the RBA is relaxing its grip on inflation a little bit too soon? Um, I think the the conversation around RBA stopping as soon as December is a, it's a little bit too soon to say that. Um, but we are seeing an inflection in terms of monetary policies policies around Asia. Um, you know, led by Bank of Korea already last month. Um, so we do expect that going forward, any interest rate hikes by the RBA will be smaller. This week, we have 25 basis points priced in as well, but it could be lower, it could be 15. Um, and then we do expect that given um, that inflation remains quite high and labor conditions are very tight, we can discuss about a little bit more on that as well if, if you want to. Um, but we do think that um, uh, terminal rates will have to continue increasing throughout the first quarter until they reach 3.50%, so that's slightly above consensus. Um, but it does uh, point to this pivot um, in, in Q1 um, as well. Yeah, wage pressures in Australia are a thing, although not as acute as what's being experienced elsewhere, right? Mm -hmm. Well, labor um, conditions are tight. So we do, we do have a record a low unemployment rate of 3.4%. Um, wage price growth um, increased 3.1%. So real wages um, are still lagging inflation, of course. Um, we don't see as much pressures as in other parts of the world. But there is a structural labor shortage um, that might still take a few months to correct. Um, I mean, the uh, immigration numbers in 2022 are a positive signal, in my opinion, because they can help to reduce some of those pressures. Um, but it means that, um, you know, at least in as, insofar as the RBI is concerned, um, the structural um, issue with employment will continue to drive inflation in the in, in the months ahead. So we do expect them they will have to um, be a little bit patient uh, with that pivot after they come back from the beach. Yeah, we're anticipating a smaller than expected uh, rate increase from the Reserve Bank of India as well. What's your read of the inflation fight there? Correct. So we are expecting a 25 to 35 basis point rate hike, um, and that is uh, coming after three back-to-back -back 50 basis point rate hikes by the RBI. Um, inflation remains above the uh, RBI's uh, tolerance band of 2 to 6.7, 2 to 6%. It was 6.73% in October, um, and that is down slightly from 7.41% in September. So we are seeing some signs that inflation is cooling. Of course, in India, the unemployment rate remains higher than it was um, before COVID. So there is no structural issue like in Australia. But we've seen um, depreciatory pressures on the rupee and also um, high commodity prices driving imported inflation. The bank does expect that that will start to cool in the months ahead. So that should pave the way for um, you know, a policy inflection again in first quarter next year. Just want to quickly look at Japan as well. Um, there's typically no movement from the Bank of Japan. I just uh, wonder that if you are anticipating a change once uh, Governor Kuroda steps down in April. But also, if we've got to keep in mind the GDP numbers that expected out this week are not expected to be very pretty for Japan. 
Mm-hmm. So we we um, we have final GDP numbers for Japan this week. The economy unexpectedly uh, contracted in the f- in the third quarter. So uh, ironically, Bank of Japan's pro-growth policy is turning out to be anti-growth because it's fueling inflationary pressures. And of course, Japanese consumers are extremely sensitive to increases in prices because they haven't had any inflation in 20 years. Um, so we do think that the current situation is not sustainable going forwards. Um, if we continue to see CPI above three. Um, and core inflation above 2.0%, um, inevitably um, a conversation will have to be had about moving away from negative interest rate policy and yield curve control. We think that most likely Bank of Japan is waiting for the Shunto uh, wage negotiations in the spring. And if we see a higher uh, wage growth, I mean, some, some commentators in Japan are saying 5%. That would be huge for Japan. Um, if we see that in the spring, then that justifies 100% a policy pivot by Bank of Japan. All right, we will watch and wait. Uh, Carlos Casanova, Senior Asia Economist at UBP, thanks so much for joining us. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.